everybody having a good uh, Father's Day so far? It's great to see all the lovely families out. You guys made Diane's day. I know other families have, have as well. But I was talking to Diane, and if you guys don't know Diane, she gets a little emotional sometimes, right? And, and she's like, my whole family's here in the tears, you know? And it was so beautiful. But if somebody wanted to get, say, a, a nice, you know, good-looking pastel-type flash shirt, well, you know, where, where would one find such a shirt? You know, because, you know, we're looking around, you guys, you guys look good, you know? I didn't know if we had, like, a new squad, a new team that we were going to, you know, you know, have here at Lincoln Park, but... In all honesty, it does. The shirts do look good. I like them. I'm trying to get away from the plaid shirts myself because I wear them all the time. So I bought some ones with like little flamingos on them and stuff, you know. And you know I've been wearing the, sh the same shirts for too long, as Christy's been telling me, because I go to Miles' grad party, at least five people came up to me like, oh, that's a new shirt. I'm like, you know you've been wearing the same shirts too long whenever like half the people recognize it. Happy Father's Day. As we get into this uh, message here today, I want us to kind of consider, I want us to think about uh, some of the men of the Bible, really going to focus on one man, Eli, but I, I, I want us to think about how many of us as dads, or, or people maybe our dads that have passed on, if they could come back and if they could share a message with the, the fathers of today, the fathers of this generation, you know, what would they change? What, what, what would their message be? What would their advice be? You know, this Father's Day, I wonder if you think about Jacob, and you think about Jacob and the 12 sons, right? We're all 12 sons, you know, filial, we're all 12 sons, faithful, you know, to, to God and, and faithful to Jacob. I wonder what King David would say if he could come back and he could uh, give advice to us today. You know, about the, the mistakes that he made, the, the choices that he made. I wonder what the advice he would give to our fathers today. You know, so that's why I want to look at here today. Today I want us to look at a different man, a man that's probably uh, one that's not known for being the best father because he often put his sons uh, before God. Do you know anybody today that puts their family before God? And you know, this man's name was Eli. You guys remember Eli, don't you? Eli was the one that, uh, that, that blessed Hannah and that she was able, you know, through the power of God to, to have child and then... Uh, she dedicates that child back uh, to the Lord, and, and Samuel goes and, and basically grows up in the house of, uh, of Eli. And as I think about 1 Samuel, if you guys want to open your Bibles there, just go ahead now, because we're going to look at several passages in 1 Samuel. We're going to probably be around chapters 2, chapter 3. Uh, but as we look at 1 Samuel here this morning, and there are some great lessons that we can learn from Eli's story. And that's something that I want to kind of focus on here today, because I'm pretty sure that all of us, you know, whether our kids are getting older now and they're, they're in their late teen years, they're entering into young adulthood, they're entering into college, I wonder how many of us would think about going back and making different choices, making different uh, uh, parenting choices, right? Uh, what, what would we do differently? And that's what I want to look at for Eli's, uh, from Eli's perspective. You know, dads, I'm going to be speaking primarily to you today, I know that. But this message is really a parenting message in general for moms. So moms, it's for you too. But that's great. But what if you're not, uh, what if you're not a mom or a dad? Well, just listen up anyways. <laughs> but honestly, as we think about it, are, some of you, you may be parents here soon. You know, I know uh, we have one, young le uh, one uh, lovely uh, young lady, you know, who's, uh, uh, who's with child. And the whole congregation is excited. I know Butchie told uh, Jenny, she's like, you know, it's been a minute since we had a baby in the congregation. 
So everybody's going to be excited. She's probably going to get spoiled. The child's going to get spoiled, right? But you think about uh, you know, parenting today, right? You know, there's many of us who may be trying to have children. But maybe you can't have children, but can't you still have a godly influence on children around you? You may not be able to have children, but can't you be a godly man and a godly woman that influences a young nugget as they're growing up, right? And I, I think about uh, all the people that some of our, our different uh, members here have, have uh, influenced. I was over at Chuck and Diane's house here just uh, about a week or so ago, and we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, I, I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, I said, all of a sudden they found this little pouch and it had all these pictures in it. And it was all like graduation pictures, you know, you had like Leslie and Sonia and Patrick Dans and I mean so many other ones. McKenna was in there. There was all these pictures and I said we should have like a, we should, we should put them up on the screen behind me and say who's this, right? Because I don't know about you guys, but I changed a little bit in 30 years since I graduated high school. You know, I'm not as thin as I used to be, right? But you know, I think about families, I think about this message, it really has, it's really a message for everybody. If Eli could come back today, if he could talk to us about parenting, what would he say? And Eli, he made some big mistakes. If you guys remember the story of Eli, he made some big parenting mistakes with his sons. Uh, and, those, and those mistakes resulted in some pretty terrible consequences, didn't they? Not just for his kids, but for Eli as well. And so I believe Eli would have, had, he would have a lot to say to the fathers. I believe Jacob and David would probably have a lot to say today if they could give fathers a message. And so let's begin with Eli this morning. Let's, let's, let's go back in time and really kind of look at some of the, the information in 1 Samuel. Because I believe that Eli would probably have four things to say. And that first thing I believe he would start with is make sure that you put God first in your life. Make sure that not only is God first in your life, but God's first in the lives of your children. If you open your Bibles up to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and you look at verse 27 through 29, I want you to see what the scriptures have to tell us here. 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not indeed reveal myself to the house, uh, to the house of your father? When they were in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh's house, did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar to burn incense, to carry an ephod before me? And did I not give the house? Uh, did I did not give to the to the house of your father all the fire offerings of the sons of Israel? Why then do you disrespect my sacrifice? Why then do you disrespect my offering? That I have commanded in my dwelling, and you honor your sons above me. Remember, this is talking about God, right? Eli's being chastised for honoring his sons above God. He says, by making yourselves fat with the choices of every offering of my people Israel. You know, dads that are here today, the first thing Eli would tell us is to make sure that you put God first. Make sure that your children are putting God's first. Make sure your family unit is putting God first. Because this was Eli's first and greatest mistake. And you can see that in God's rebuke of the man Eli here in chapter 2 in verses 27 through 29. You think about it. He did not put God first. He had other priorities. He had other concerns. And so how do you put God first in your life? What does that look like? Well, there's, there's a few things that we could do as we try to put God first in our lives. First of all, putting God first means honoring God above all other, all other things. 
When God had, uh, had sent his prophet to Eli to rebuke him, he says, why do, you put, why do you honor your sons more than you honor me? You know, there's lots of people who don't come to the Lord because they're afraid of what their parents might say. You know, maybe you grew up in a denominational situation, and uh, maybe you're like some people who have left the denomination to become a member of the Lord's Church, only to be chastised by your parents and to be rebuked by your family. And some go as far as to outright, um, basically, kick you out of the family, to disown you. I've known several uh, individuals uh, who were disowned by their families when they left Catholicism for the Lord's Church. You know, Eli, he had put his sons before God. And Eli's sons were abusing the sacrifices in the temple. And Eli knew what they were doing, and he did nothing about it. They were sleeping with the women at the tabernacle, at the gate of the tabernacle, and he did nothing about it. There was widespread knowledge of the improprieties of his sons, and he did nothing about it. Brethren, we need to make sure that we honor God above our families. We need to make sure that we honor God above our, our money, our friendships, our careers. And secondly, putting God first means dealing with the sin in your life. You know, you can't say, I put God first, but I, I, I ignore the sin that is in my life. Eli not only let his sons continue in their sin, but he participated in their sin. Because what did the prophet say? The prophet made it clear. He said that Eli was fattening himself on the offerings of the people alongside his sons. And that they were overstepping their bounds in what they were allowed to take from the offerings. And so they were making themselves fat by eating the things that were supposed to go to God. You see, brethren, uh, if we look at this here today... If there, sin, if there is sin in our very lives, like there was sin in his son's lives and even his life, that we, are not made, we, had, we need to make sure that we are confessing this to God. We need to make sure that we're bringing this before a holy and righteous God that who, who will forgive his elect, who will forgive his children, forgive those who are faithful unto God. And so, fathers, we are to make sure that we are being the spiritual leaders of the home. But how could this priest named Eli be the spiritual leader of his home when in fact he was overlooking the sins of the people? Or not the people, but his, his own sons. He was chastising the people for the sins in their lives, but he was overlooking the sin in his life and in the life of his children. And so when we do not deal with sin in our lives, many times it affects our children. How many times do you know people uh, who grow up in uh, abusive homes? only to become what? Abusers. How many people do you know that grow up in homes with various addictions, only to become addicted themselves? You see, many of the sins of the fathers, sins of the mothers, are oftentimes passed down to their children. And now there are the, the, there are the, the exceptions to every rule, obviously. And so I just think of these things. We need to make sure that we're dealing with the sin in our lives so that way our children do not have to bear the consequences to our sin, but then also that sin then isn't passed down to them because oftentimes people, when they see a, a certain thing over a period of time, many times they make it their own sin. And the third thing that we need to do by, about putting God first in our very lives is making sure we're setting a godly example. I mean, how many, how many parents... How many people show up for church on Sunday and then uh, the Monday through Saturday, they're living a worldly life. They're not setting godly examples. 
And so what do you expect when your children look at you as a hypocrite? What do you expect when they don't want to attend Bible study and worship service? What do you expect when they don't want to make God the, the Lord of their lives? Because they see that you don't live out your faith. So one of the ways that we can make sure that we're putting God first in our lives is setting the example for our children inside the home and outside the home. Brethren, it's hard to ask your children to follow Christ if you yourselves are barely following Christ. And so as, as godly fathers, brethren, we need to be able to say to our children what Paul had said to the people of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, follow my example as I have followed the example of my Lord. Follow my example as I have followed the examples of Christ Jesus. You see, brethren, wouldn't it be wonderful if all dads could say those very words? Tell their sons and their daughters to follow my example as I walk in the examples of the Lord. How much stronger would the family unit be if more families had that mindset? And so fathers, if Eli were here today, the first thing he would tell you is to make sure that you're making God the Lord of your life. Making sure that God sits on the throne of your hearts. And so the second thing I believe that Eli would tell fathers if he could come back and give us some advice is to be sure that you discipline your children. Did Eli have a problem with discipline? Did he have a problem in disciplining his children? Right? And so we read in 1 Samuel, that's the next passage, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, if your Bibles are still open there. We're going to look at a, a couple different passages here in 1 Samuel today. But this one's in chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. And we're going to see how uh, God's word to Eli comes through Samuel. And this is Samuel's first prophet uh, prophecy. You know the, the great prophet Samuel? This is his first prophecy. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, notice what it says starting in verse 11. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity, the sin of Eli's house, shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. You see, brethren, this was Eli's second biggest mistake. The first mistake wasn't making sure that God was on the throne of his life, even so much so that it was above his family. Instead, he put family before his allegiance to God. And his second biggest mistake is that we see here is that he did not discipline his children. Not only did he fail to put God first in his life, but his sons were sinning against God and he failed to restrain them because of that sin in their very lives. Dads, if you could hear this message today, one of your primary responsibilities as a uh, spiritual leader in the home is to also be a disciplinarian in the home, to train up your children in the Lord, to discipline them when they, uh, when they do wrong, to make sure that you're speaking to them about God's law, about God's law and the rule of the home, and that when the children fail in the, to, to live up to the rules of the home and to live up to God's rules, that there's consequences that go along with that failure. And so, brethren, we need to make sure as fathers and as grandfathers and as, uh, as just men of God 
that we look to instruct the children of this congregation, that we can help them to live a godly life, by also by setting the right examples for our children. Notice that I mentioned the idea that discipline has to do with training. You know, too often we think of discipline just as punishing our children uh, when they do wrong. But that's not exactly all that discipline is, is it? That is the only part, but that is the only part that sometimes is referred to as discipline. Discipline is really training your child to live in a way that is pleasing to God by instructing them, by teaching them, by setting the example, and not just by punishing them. So how do you discipline or train your children? First of all, we, we heed the advice that we see on the screen behind me in Psalm chapter 119 and verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word. How can a young man or a young woman keep his life pure? How can they remain uh, obedient unto the Lord and obedient to their, to their house and to their parents? By keeping the instructions of the Lord. You see, brethren, one of the most important things that you can do for your children is to make sure that they know how to apply God's word. <coughs> sure, we know some teachings. We've heard some things. But how do you, what does it look like? How do you apply it to your life? You know, explain to your children, you know, where you've went wrong at different times and how you have you how you have misapplied certain things or maybe haven't understood certain things. There's not a parent in here that's perfect. And we've all failed the Lord at various times in our lives. I know this because the scriptures tell us that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. So talk to your children about where you went wrong. Talk to them about some of your stumbles. And, and allow it to be a teaching moment. So that way, hopefully, they won't have to make the same mistakes that you made. Brethren, you can make sure that you all attend Bible studies. You can make sure that you're attending worship services as a family. And that you're all growing and uh, growing in the Lord and, and worshiping the Lord as a family unit. And ultimately, dads need to lead by example, as I keep saying. Let your kids see you learning the word of God. Let them see you changing and transforming your life with the very word of God. Let them see you living out your faith outside of the home. So when you deal with a difficult situation at work, maybe you're dealing with a difficult situation with a friend or a family member or a co-worker, and instead of letting them see worldliness, maybe you could show them the light by how God would have you to react to any situation. How God would have you to reply uh, to, to certain scenarios. You see, brethren, there's many different ways that we could show our children and show the children of this congregation what a godly man and woman looks like. You know, next we need to praise our kids. How often do we forget to praise our kids when they do right? I know punishment seems the easiest way but when they do wrong, but are we praising our children when they do right? This is one of the things that I think is, uh, it's not lacking. There's lots of people who do a great job at this. There's lots of parents who do a great job, but there's some that not so much. And we need to make sure that our kids know that they're loved, and we need to encourage them. We need to praise them. I think of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I think about what it says in verse 11 and 12. Just as you know how we, how we were encouraged and comforting uh, and urging each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Notice that uh, verse 11. Just as you know how we were encouraging, how we were comforting, and how we were urging each one of you as a father, as a father would his own children. 
Brethren, we need to take that same mindset and we need to remember those things and do that regularly in, our li- in, the, ch- in the lives of our children. Parents, your children need this encouragement. Have you guys seen what's going on in society? Is there a lot of negativity? Is there a lot of pessimism? Is there, is there a lot of people walking around with the glass half full? You know, you watch the news, you see what's going on in the schools, you see what's going on in the churches, you see what's going on just in general in society, and there's a lot of people who, go, who can walk away thinking all of the doom and gloom. Let's not forget who sits on the throne still. Let's not forget that Jesus still sits on the throne, that God is still in charge, and that, sure, we should never expect the buildings to be overflowing because God says that few will be saved. And that few will find eternal life. And so we need to make sure, though, that as the few, as the remnant, that we are living the life that God would want us to live. That we are shining the light of Christ. That we are, uh, that we are like that lamp that is put on the lampstand that gives light to everyone. That's the mindset that we need to have as we deal with the world. Brothers and ser- sisters, encouraging our children and encouraging them when they do right and correcting them when they do wrong is what we are called to do. We're not called to be best friends to our children. We're called to parent our children. And I think about Proverbs 19 and 18, which tells me to discipline my son, for in that there is hope. If we discipline our children, there is hope in that. Do not be a willing party to his death. Think about that second half of that verse. Do not be a willing party to his death. What did Eli do? Was Eli a willing party to his son's death? To his own death? And the answer to that question is yes. And so that's why God said, you respected your sons more than you respected me. And so God tells us to discipline our children, for there is hope in that. But you discipline them with the right mindset. You never discipline out of anger. Make sure that you're calm and you're cool and you're collected, that you can have a conversation about your children, with your children, about the rule of the house, about God's law, and how you know that if you're being punished, it's because you broke said rule or said law, and that there's consequences for that, and have a conversation with them. However you choose to punish, just make sure it's done with the right mindset, uh, not lashing out in anger like so many people do. And if you do that, you're going to see that that's going to carry over. And then when they have children, they're going to know how to discipline their children. They're going to know how to encourage their own children. And so that way we could stop repeating maybe some of the sins of the past. Brothers and sisters, if you say or do nothing when your children are doing wrong, you are only encouraging them in their sin. I was having a barbecue yesterday. And uh, two of our good friends are, are teachers, and, and we were listening to both of them tell so many of the stories about the, how the brokenness of the home is affecting the classroom, and how these kids are coming in as young as like second grade, and I'm just going to tell you, they're basically little hellions, and, and, and so many of these young kids are causing uh, just so many problems actually uh, in the classroom, and the stories that they were telling are just, was just mind-boggling to me. You're talking second graders, you're not, I'm not talking high school, you're talking little kids. But what are we seeing? You're seeing what they're not getting in the home. They're not getting discipline. They're not getting instruction. They're not getting love. They're not getting the things they need in order to be not only productive members of society, but to to know how to conduct themselves when uh, when they're in a public setting. 
And so, brethren, we need to make sure that we're doing our job as the spiritual leaders of the home to raise our children up in the Lord, to teach them how to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of Christ. So, brothers and sisters, remember Eli's mistake was that his sons were sinning against God and he failed to restrain them. So be sure to discipline your children. The third thing I want to look at is that Eli would say out of the four is that Eli would tell you to teach your kids about Jesus. And you think to yourself, well, that's a strange one. That G Eli would tell us to teach our children about Jesus? Eli lived a thousand years before Jesus ever lived. But if Eli could look back, if he could rise from the dead, look back, see where we're at today, see what happened with Jesus becoming the Son of God, the Messiah, uh, how God, uh, God in the flesh, I believe that he would tell us to teach our children about Jesus. Now, as I said, if Eli could come back today knowing all that had taken place over the, the thousand years from, from his death until the birth of Christ, and then knowing what happened and who Christ was, I can guarantee you that he would tell you to teach uh, your children about Jesus. I can guarantee you that because the first one I told you that if he could come back and teach us something was to make sure that God is on the throne of your life, that you're putting God first in your life. Well, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God, but he's God in the flesh. He walked this earth as a man, but he was both God and man simultaneously. When I think about the scripture behind me in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, notice what it says in verse 22 through 25. Now Eli was very old, and he, and he had heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel. And now they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tents of, of meeting, he said to them, why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all the people. No, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear, I hear the Lord's people is circulating. If one man sin against, uh, sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of the Father, for the Lord had desired already to put them to death. You see, brothers and sisters, Eli was concerned about his son's relationship with God, but he was concerned about it a little too late. The damage had already been done. The sins have already been committed. And such heinous sins have been committed for such a long period of time that it was already too late in the case of his sons. When Eli asked the question, if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? He didn't know the answer to that question because, well, the answer really hasn't made itself known to him. We know the answer to that question today because we know the end of the story. But God answered Eli's question when God had sent his son Jesus into the world. Who is the one that can intercede for man if he sins against God? And that man is Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to be the mediator between God and man and to be the one who intercedes on our behalf when we sin against the holy and righteous God. And so Eli would tell the dads here today to make sure that you're teaching your children about Jesus, about how they could repent of their sins and all that they could do to bring themselves back in relationship to God. So what do we tell our children? What do we tell them about Jesus? First of all, you need to tell them that Jesus died for them on the cross. And then he didn't just die for them and their family, but he died for all the families of the earth. Explain to your children that we have all sinned against a holy and righteous God and that we deserve to be punished for our sin. 
But God had sent his son Jesus to the cross to take away the sins of the world, to take away the punishment that was designed for us. Brethren, teach your children that Jesus never did anything wrong. That when he suffered and died on the cross, he died for our sins. He died for your sins and mine. He died in our place, and he was taking the punishment that we rightly deserved. These are the things that we need to teach our children about Jesus the Christ. Tell your children about how God loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son so that we, all who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Tell them that Jesus loves them so much that he was willing to sacrifice himself on their behalf. You see, brethren, teach your kids about repentance. Teach your kids about faith in Jesus. Teach them that we must turn away from the sin that is in our lives and to put our trust in a holy and righteous God, to put our trust in Jesus Christ. We are saved not by the good things that we do, but we are simply, uh, but simply by, uh, by putting faith in Jesus Christ can we be saved. But what does putting faith in Jesus Christ look like? That's where we talk about all the time that biblical faith is, a, is, a, is really a, is three things working in harmony. You have to believe, you have to trust, and you have to obey. You believe, you trust, and obey. That's biblical faith. And if all three of those things are working in harmony, you're found pleasing in the sight of a holy and righteous God. So you need to teach your children that we must confess Jesus' name before men. And we must be baptized for the remission of our sins. Because we see what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Brethren, Mothers and fathers, teach your kids that they should confess their sins to God daily. To confess their sins daily to a holy and righteous God who, will, who the blood of Jesus Christ will continue to wash over us and cleanse us of any, of, in any and all sin and all unrighteousness for all those who make Jesus the Lord of their lives. As soon as we know that we have done something wrong, we need to make sure that we learn to take it to God. And we could show our children that by teaching them that. Brethren, we should confess it. We should confess the sin to a holy and righteous God who's willing to forgive us of our sins and to remember the things that we did no more. I mean, what better, what better, uh, what, what, what more can you ask for? We know that it's the sin in our lives that separate us from a holy and righteous God. And so if we have a mediator now, we have a way in order to reconcile ourselves with God, we know something that, well... Let's face it, Eli didn't know. He didn't know how to be reconciled back unto God when man sins against God. But now God had sent his son into the world so that we can be reconciled back unto God. And so, brethren, if Eli were here today, he would definitely tell each of you to make sure you're teaching your children about Jesus and what his life means for their lives. Brethren, Eli's sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. For it was the Lord's will already to be, for them to be punished. Eli finally rebuked his children, but it was too late. He should have started rebuking his children at a much earlier age. And so ask yourself, why is it better to start training your children in the Lord at an early age versus trying to train them at a later age? I mean, what's easier, to train up a child in the Lord from when they're just a little nugget or to wait till they're young adults? And the world has already taken hold in their hearts. Sin has taken hold of their heart. Can, does it mean that they can't be uh, uh, 
Uh, does it mean that they can't still come to the Lord? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's much easier to train up a child in the way of the Lord than to wait till the world has, has gotten into their lives and taken hold. It's much more difficult to remove uh, those lessons or remove those teachings and those worldly ways the older that they get. Not impossible, but much more difficult. And so, brethren, we know that, that Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter 18 and verse 16, Let the children come unto me. Do not hinder the little children from coming to me, for the kingdom is for such as them. The kingdom belongs to uh, such as these, as these little children. And so a child's heart is open, it's responsive to God when they're young. Why? Because they're pure. They haven't been tainted by the world yet. But the more that you've been tainted, the more that the world seeps into your heart, the more difficult it is to make that transition. And secondly, brethren, by training up your children in the commands of the Lord, you will save your child from a lot of heartache. By teaching them the ways of the Lord, you will save them some of the pain and the suffering that they will go through if they don't listen to those teachings. And you will spare them and yourself that heartache. You see, brethren, as we get ready to close this lesson down, we can't change the past, but we can change the present, which will impact the future. And so we need to make sure that no matter how you've been parenting up until this point, that you listen to some of these, uh, the things that have been said here today. And that you try to make sure that not only is Jesus the Lord of your life, but he becomes the, uh, the Lord of your children's life. You make sure that they're living according to the will of God by letting them see the example that you set for them. So brothers and sisters, as I close this down, what is Eli's Father's Day advice for the Lincoln Park congregation? To make sure that we put God first in our very lives, to discipline our children with the right mindset and the right attitude and the right heart condition, and to teach them about Jesus. And the earlier start, the more, the, the more success that you'll find. And so Eli would also be the one to tell you that he didn't follow his own advice. He'd be the one to tell you, probably like King David and probably like Jacob, that I made some mistakes. But if I could go back and if I could fix it, if I could go back and make some changes, I believe these are the changes that he would probably start with. If there's anyone here today and you're hearing this message, I know it's not the typical gospel message that we're, you know, we're used to hearing, because we try to preach to the parents on Mother's Day and Father's Day, and we try to uh, encourage you in the Lord uh, with, with our parenting and, and, and the advice that we give. But if you're here today and you're not a child of God, but maybe you've been studying with somebody, or maybe you've just been reading the Bible on your own and you wish to become a child of God, your desire is to be baptized for the remission of your sins, you could do that today as we uh, get ready to stand and sing the Song of Invitation.